um, I have the uh, honor and privilege to be finishing up our Song of Solomon series on love. And um, don't worry, Jason, you don't have to pull this up, but my, my beginning scripture is Ecclesiastes 9.9. And it says, Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. And when I saw that, I was like, Tim's always calling me his trophy wife. (laughs) Now I know it's true. He's just being biblical and scriptural, right? So so men, uh, start calling your wives your trophy because she is. All righty, so um, my, my topic in the Song of Solomon is lasting love. So I'm like, okay, what, what does that look like? Um, and so go ahead, Jason, we'll start with um, the Song of Solomon in chapter 8. And it says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, its jealousy as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire, the brightness, brightest kind of flame. Is that all I've got? Ah, many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. If a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. So, love is permanent, and love is persevering. Um... When they talk about the seal over the heart, back then they had the signet rings, and that symbolized um, authority, and it was very precious to have a signet ring. And what she is saying here is she wants to be his very treasured possession. She's like, take that and put it over your heart. That's the, and then when it talks about the waters can't quenching love, there's, okay, Niagara Falls, okay? Just picture that. <laughs> But um, there, it's, it's priceless. Love is priceless. I mean, no matter what you would offer, how much money you would offer to have that kind of love, like that they've been speaking about throughout Song of Solomon, um, it, it's just, you can't put money to that kind of love. Um, can you go to the next one in Solomon in um, 8? Love also is protective. And here, these are the brothers talking. And he says, we have a little sister too young to have breasts. What will we do for our sister if someone asks to marry her? Is there another one? Yeah. No? Yeah. If she is a virgin like a wall, we will protect her with a silver tower. But if she is promiscuous like a swinging door, we will block her door with a cedar bar. So love is protective. Her brothers are like, all right, we're going to protect my sister, and we're going to protect her virtue. If she's a wall, that's, that's pretty sturdy. That's immovable. So they're like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll still protect her, but we won't have to be like if she's a moving door. You know, they're going to have to be a little bit more stern with her in that case. And this reminds me of Beth. You know, she was... She was talking a couple of weeks ago about how she'll be your accountability buddy when it comes to relationships, and she's going to, who you with, where you been, what you've been doing. That's love. That is protecting you and your virtue. So 
Love is very protective. Um, in Solomon 8, in verses 11 and 12, um, love is very giving. So Solomon has a vineyard at Balhaman, which he leases out to tenant farmers. Each of them pays a thousand pieces of silver for harvesting its fruit. But my vineyard is mine to give, and Solomon need not pay a thousand pieces of silver. But I will give 200 pieces to those who care for its vines. So the bride is speaking here, and in earlier scriptures, she had stated about how she had her own vineyard. Um, and so here she's saying that she gives not of just herself, her love and everything, but she gives her goods, her finances, what she earns from her own vineyard, she gives to him because she wants to be one with him, apart with him. And so those are just a few of the scriptures that I wanted to do a, a brief definition of love, but in, in my opinion... <laughs> Um, 1 Corinthians 13 is the best description of what love is. So, and of course, I had to do the amplified version. <laughs> All right, so love endures long. It is patient and kind. Love is never envious, nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly, does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. So that, for me is my definition of lasting love. It's patient, it's kind, it's generous. It looks not for yourself, but for the other person. Now, we've been talking a lot about marriage, but this goes for any relationship. This goes for love to a stranger, love to a friend, love to a coworker. This is, this is who we're supposed to be. In Galatians 5, it talks about God, well, oh, sorry, that's the wrong one. In First, First John 4, it says that God is love, and this is the way we're supposed to be. God is love, and we're supposed to be just like him. We're supposed to love like he does. And so when you're in a relationship with somebody, and they do something that offends you, hurts your feelings, our first response is to get defensive and to get mad and to start thinking about ourselves. But it says that love thinks the best of other people. It's ever ready to believe the best. And so Tim may say something to me, and I'm just, the first thing it wants to do is wants to ruffle my feathers. It wants to, something just pricks up on the inside of me, and how dare he say something like that? Or um, where does he think he's coming from, saying something like that? 
But my first reaction should be, is that really how he meant it? Because I know that he loves me, and it's not his intention to hurt me on purpose. So if I would stop and think, is that how he meant it? What did he really say? Before I go flying off the handle, then look how many arguments we can kind of put, put down before they get way out of control. And so love, lasting love, it's a, it's a partnership, but you've got to, it's not about me. It's about you. What can I do to bless you? What can I do to help you? And it's not paying any attention to what's going on, how you might have hurt me, um, but it's how I can help you. <laughs> Sorry, I got to get my thoughts together. <sighs> so in this scripture... It says that love is not easily offended. It's not touchy. It's not fretful. It's not resentful. So when, when somebody says something to me that might offend me, I'm just like, nope. Love is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. I am not easily offended. And there's a reason why we need to be not easily offended. And that comes in James 3, 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Um, that's the New King James Version. In the Old King James, it says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So there's, it's very important for love to last in any relationship, but especially marriage, that we're not self-seeking, we don't need our own way, that it's a, a partnership and what's you work together. But you, you have to keep strife out of your marriage at all costs. Because where you allow strife, there's confusion and every evil work. And we do not want that in our marriage. We don't want that in our family. We don't want it in our household. So you can't look at um, you can't look at your own rights, <laughs> your own way. It's it's not about you. You have to remember, it's not about you. It's about them. It's always about the other person. So we have to keep strife out of our marriage. In Mark four, don't worry, Jason. You don't have to go there. Jesus talks about the parable of the sower, and I, I'm pretty sure you guys are familiar with it. Um, in verse 17, when he talks about the, the seed being sown on thorny ground, how it gets choked out. One of the things that chokes it out is offense. You get offended, and it chokes out the word. Well, you, you need the word, okay? Um, when we get offended, we fall out of love, and we, we fall away from what we're supposed to be doing. So you have to keep offense out in every relationship, okay? He, it's, 
of vital importance because that's how you stay in love. You get offended, you're going to get out of love. When you're out of love, faith works by love. You're out of love, your faith's not working. Okay? And so you're, you're standing and believing, but then you're doing something goofy over here where you're mad at somebody, some driver cut you off, you got offended, you got mad, and then you didn't forgive, which is my next point. <laughs> you have to forgive. No matter how small the offense, you have to forgive. The, the driver cuts you off, somebody messes up your order, some, some lady's Busy on her phone, not paying attention, made you miss the traffic light because she was too slow getting through, whatever it is, okay? Yes, those cell phones slow people down. Um, and then the big stuff with your relationships or somebody says something and, and they hurt your feelings, you have to forgive because, number one, we're saying we believe the best in people, and so we're thinking, they're not out to get me. Don't be, they're not being spiteful on purpose. Um, can you go to Ephesians? You should have seen the list I gave him of scriptures. <laughs> okay. Become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Tenderhearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely, as God in Christ forgave you. Readily and freely. See, this is why the Amplified is so good. Okay? <laughs> so for every person, every relationship, we're useful, we're helpful, we're kind to one another, we're tender-hearted, we're compassionate, we're understanding, and we readily forgive. God in Christ readily forgave you. Did he stop and think, mm, I don't know. That sin's kind of a big one. I might have to think about that one for a minute. No, he readily forgave every single one. Doesn't matter what it was, big or small, he readily forgave. And we need to do the same thing. That, that unforgiveness, that offense, that unforgiveness clogs your drain. We're supposed to be rivers of living water, right, flowing out to everybody. Well, if your drain gets clogged, you're just going to be spitting stuff, and that's not good. That's not going to do anybody any good. So you have to get that offense and that forgiveness out so that you can clean your drain, okay? Clean your drain. So God readily forgives us, so we readily forgive. Unforgiveness is a faith Blocker. So, like I mentioned, Galatians 5, 6 says that faith works by love. If you're not in love, faith isn't working. If you're in unforgiveness, if you're in offense, your faith isn't working. We have to forgive to get our faith to work. Um, in Mark 11, in 23 through 25, when we're moving mountains with our faith, speak to that mountain and it'll go. Just have the God kind of faith. What does he say at the end? If you have ought against any, you have to forgive so that God can forgive you. If you don't, he won't, right? So if you want to move mountains, who in here wants to move mountains? All right, so what do you got to do? Forgive. You got to stay in love and you got to forgive. And, and that's a key to lasting love in any type of relationship. 
Um, another example of love is in 1 John 4. <laughs> it even says, in this is love. Okay? In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us so very much, we also ought to love one another. So there's love right there, lasting love, that he sent his son and... Where was I going with that? We love one another. Even if they don't look like we want to love them. If they're not acting like they want to... we. They may be acting like we don't want to love that person. We need to love them. We are the example. We are the ones that take God's love to people. So we need to love one another. That's not really a suggestion either. That's, that's, a, that's a command. He loved you before you loved him. And he loved you without expecting anything in return, you know? And I think we need to be the same way. We need to love others and not think, well, if I love them, I want them to love me back. I want them to do this for me and, and give me this, even if it's not a material thing, you know, just a, a friendship thing. But we need to... We need to love people expecting nothing in return. And we need to let, we let, let God give us that stuff in return. Okay. <laughs> so that 1 Corinthians 13 sounds like a pretty tall order of loving people and never getting offended, never being rude, never looking out for my own rights. And it sounds like a pretty tall order. <laughs> Uh, impossible for us to do on our own, I have found. I've tried it. <laughs> Not, it didn't work, I will tell you right now. I, I failed utterly trying to love someone on my own. We can't do that in our own strength. But I have good news for you in the Amplified Version of Romans 5.5. 5. Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us, for God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Praise God, I don't have to love people in my own strength or in my own love, because I have his love in me. I have his Holy Spirit helping me to love others the way that he loves, to be that light for them and to show them who God is. And for some reason, this is the scripture, Ephesians 3, 17. This meant more to me when I was studying this out then than anything else. And I think this will help you the most. If you put Ephesians 3 with 1 Corinthians 13, I think you'll have a really good understanding of love and how to love others, not in your own strength and how you'll have successful relationships at work and at home and with your friends and family. It says, may Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. 
May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love, what is the breadth and length and height and depth of it, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. So in 1 John 4, it says that God is love. So if you have the fullness of God, that you become rooted and grounded in love. If you want to be a, a strong person and you want to love people and you want to do what God says for you to do, you've got to be rooted and grounded in him. Because once you have an understanding of who he is, God is love. So that 1 Corinthians 13, where love is patient, love is kind, that's him. So when you say that that love lives in you, that's who you love with. That's what you love with. That's the power for you to love the people that you don't know how to love. That's the power for you to love your spouse that says, even though he said something, she said something, she did something that hurt my feelings, I felt ignored, I got offended. That's the power that's going to say, no, I'm not easily offended. I'm going to look at this and say, did they really mean it that way? No, they didn't. Let's look at it this way instead. And so I'm going to. <laughs> and so when you, you, that's the power, that's the love, that's who he is. So you get that in there, you get rooted, you get grounded in that. When you're grounded in something like that, you're immovable, right? You get a post that you're bearing, you got to put that post two feet in the ground so it's not going to move. Well, that's what you need to do. You need to ground yourself into the word of God. You need to ground yourself in God, knowing that he loves you more than anything else. He never leaves you, never forsakes you. He wants the best for you. And so then you can look at, at people and you can love them the same way that he loves you. And then as you become rooted and grounded in God and you learn more about him and you get a deeper revelation of that and you start loving and your faith starts growing, then you can grow and be filled with all the fullness of God. Being filled and flooded with God himself, with love himself. Can you imagine being filled and flooded with love himself? And this is what the... The apostles had, when they were, this is how I imagine it, that one, I can't remember which, Peter, Paul, John, one of them, that was so full and filled with love God himself, that walked by, that his shadow healed somebody. Shadows have no substance, right? But he was so filled, it overflowed into his shadow, Right? So that's how we want to be. That's how I want to be. I want to be so full of the love of God and so filled with God that it seeps out into all my friends, all my family, my whole household, and it's just oozing. Right? We're oozers. 
It starts out as an ooze, but then it floods. That's what I'm wanting, right? We, we need that flood. So if you want a lasting love, you want a lasting relationship, you want a lasting friendships, this is what you need to do. This is, my, this is what I've come up with. <laughs> you need to love God. You need to get rooted and grounded in Him. You need a deeper revelation of His love for you, and then that will seep out into your relationships with others. You need to be filled with all the fullness of love himself. C.S. Lewis said, When I learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. So I'm going to love my husband better as I get closer to God, as I understand him more, and as I get changed from glory to glory, as I get all that goop out of myself, then I can love him better. And he'll do the same for me. Love isn't self-seeking. I'm not looking at it as to what I get out of it, but what I can do. God will take care of the rest. In Ephesians 2.10, it says that he gives us, he has a perfect plan for us that he put together before the foundation of the earth. Before he even said, light be, he made my husband for me. Before he even said anything about creation, he made your spouse for you. He made you for them. And you are their provision. And so you guys need to work together to, to, to fulfill what he has called you to do. Okay? All right. <laughs> okay. So here are my final thoughts on lasting love. This is just stuff that I've heard from other people. Don't be afraid to be the one who loves the most. Love the most. I think we ought to make that a, a challenge for each of us. I'm going to love you more. <laughs> I, lo I love the most in my marriage. Because when I'm loving him and he's loving me, then everything's working. Our faith is working. Um, our prayers are being answered. We don't have anything slowing us down. We're not having to go around that mountain learning that lesson all these times. We can just get that mountain out of the way and keep on going. Because, because we're learning to love. We're walking in love and our faith is working. And don't think that your needs aren't going to be met or, yeah, I'm doing all this giving, but I'm not getting anything in return. God will take care of the return. And he can take care of it way better than what we can. Another thing I heard, wedding vows, in the wedding vows we say from this day forward. So the past is in the past. You got to forget it, forgive it, get over it, forget it. You can't hold on to past hurts. You can't hold on to grudges. Dear me, those don't work, okay? Those will slow you down and clog your drain. I heard someone say, when your car runs out of gas, you don't get rid of the car, you fill it up with gas. It's the same with your marriage. You fall in love with the same person every day. Mm -hmm. Isn't that good? I don't, I don't look at my husband and, and think, oh, man. I really wish he would do this differently. 
You know, I mean, I I look at him and I I think of all the I think of all the the good that he is and the good that I get out of him. I mean, he's the he's the best giver. He's the best giver. I won't go further. <laughs> Surprised me with a trip to Guthrie to a bed and breakfast. There you go. Didn't tell me where I was going. Just took me off. So, so don't start looking at your spouse thinking of the things that you want to change, the things that you wish were different. They've put on a few pounds over the years, whatever it is. You, you need to... To look at the good, and you need to speak the good, <clears throat> and fall in love with them all over again, every single day. <clears throat> Another thing is the, the fives of a marriage. You seek God, you fight fair, you have fun, you stay pure, and you never give up. And then finally, your spouse is not the one. God is your one. Your spouse is your two. Your kids aren't even your two. Okay, your spouse is your two. If you put your kids above your spouse, then there's going to be a struggle. Okay, so you need to make sure your spouse is your two. And you build your relationship on God. He's that foundation. So you, you build that relationship on God, and you use the word, and you pray together. Speaking of praying together, we have a, um, a marriage prayer or confession that we're going to pray. So if you're not married and want to be married, you can still pray this prayer and call in your spouse. Like it says, Ephesians 2.10. All of your provision is on that path that he created for you. <clears throat> Matthew 6.33 says to seek him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. A spouse can be added unto you. You don't have any more? Okay. Can I have one? <laughs> I'll give you this one when we're done. So in Isaiah, it talks about returning the word. <clears throat> in Isaiah, it says that my word does not return to me void, but it fulfills the, what it is called to do. So when you pray, you return the word to God. And that's what this prayer is. This is all based on scripture. And so I want to pray this prayer over our, our marriages here. You guys can join me. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, it is written in your word that love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given to us. Because you are in us, we acknowledge that love reigns supreme. We believe that love is displayed in full expression, enfolding and knitting us together in truth, making us perfect for every good work to do your will and working in us that which is well-pleasing in your sight. We desire to live and conduct ourselves and our marriage honorably and becomingly. We esteem it as precious, worthy, and of great price. 
We commit ourselves to live in mutual harmony and accord with one another, delighting in each other, being of the same mind and united in spirit. Father, we believe and say that we are gentle, compassionate, courteous, tender-hearted, and humble-minded. We seek peace, and it keeps our hearts in quietness and assurance. Because we follow after love and dwell in peace, our prayers are not hindered in any way in the name of Jesus. We are heirs together according to the grace of life. We purpose together to live in agreement, to live in harmony, to live in peace, to live in power toward each other and toward all men. We confess that our marriage grows stronger day by day in the bond of unity because it is founded on your word and rooted and grounded in your love. Father, we thank you for the performance of it in Jesus' name. So <clears throat> it's important in marriage for you to be in agreement. Um, and I, I think this marriage prayer will help you. It's a good start for you to get together to pray God's word, to return his word to him, and to, to build a stronger marriage in love and in unity. <clears throat>